Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today, we play with the letter P and continue with series survival. We also revisit the 1991 classic film T2, not to mention the Raptors' terminated Golden State. It's time for Categorized. We're just moving right along with our alphabetized category, and we're going to give you our top five P movies. So, Ivana, what's your number one, or not Not number one, we'll get to that later, but what is the first one on your list for P movies? Uh, I hope it's on your list, because I think it deserves to be on everybody's top P movies. It's not, and it it's is, not, it's not. Go ahead. It's Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock. I know, this was my, like... I only recently saw Psycho, like last week recently saw Psycho. Are Um, you serious? I am totally serious, and I thought it was amazing. Um, But because it's only been in my world for a week, I didn't feel like I should put it on here yet because these ones I've seen a million times. Okay, that makes absolutely no sense. Just because you own, like... How many, however long ago you saw a movie should not factor into whether or not it's among your favorites. Okay. Well then Psycho is not among my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Don't cop out. But it's a Just great say the film. truth. And it actually scared it, me. Like I, I jump scared watching Psycho, even though I knew what, all what the parts that were jump coming. scared you. Uh, so not the shower scene. Cause I just totally knew all the beats to the movie for the most part. Just for being in the world all this time. Um, But when the detective or the private investigator is coming up the stairs and we get this aerial shot and a screech and, you know, the mother walks out and stabs from this aerial view. Holy crap. I was scared. I'd never I've never thought of it as scary, but uh, that doesn't mean it's not good. And I just think that, like, Norman Bates is such a cool character. And also Hitchcock's cinematic style of filmmaking, I think, is so beautiful. So that's why it's on my list. Wait, have you never seen, then, the In Color remake? No, no, no. I will not. No. I'll never, ever watch the Gus Van Sant remake with Vince Vaughn. It'll never happen. Why? Because when it came out, the reviews were horrible. And basically it said it is practically a scene by scene reimagined, like reworked. uh, And everything is scene by scene. Um, And I didn't want to watch it because I wanted to see Hitchcock's. So it wouldn't taint me for like forever. I saw it. um, And I... As much as I don't know that it was necessary, I kind of respect that it was an identical shot-by-shot remake, just in color. I think he was just trying to bring this movie to new audiences that he thought wouldn't see it because it was in black and white. I just have zero interest in seeing a remake to that movie. Sort of the same way I have zero interest in seeing Let Me In when I saw Let the Right One In. Yeah, I didn't want to see that. After reading the reviews when Gus Van Sant's movie came out, I was kind of like, I'm really turned off of this film. How young would you have been reading those reviews? I mean, that was made, what, in the 90s? I think it was 2000s. Uh, 
the Psycho remake was oh no, it was 1998. So I was almost graduated school. You were reading film reviews at that point. Oh yeah, every Friday. Every Friday I would wow. read reviews, and I'd have to get a newspaper to do it. Wow! No, the inter- Everybody had the internet by ninety eight. Yeah, but I didn't have like Rotten Tomatoes critical con- like critic consensus every Friday. I had to like go and I just I knew the people I liked, and I would go and get the Toronto Star, and I'd read through the reviews there. <laughs> so analog. All right, yeah. what's your your Absolutely. pick? Uh, let's start with Pirates of the Caribbean: The Curse of the Black Pearl. The only Pirates of the Caribbean that anybody needs to watch. Is that the first one? That's the first one. And I think... Yeah, that's the best one. It is the best movie for pirates of all time. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought about putting Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, on my list. Unfortunately... All those subsequent movies really tainted that brand. I agree. Totally. But I only own Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. I only own that on Blu-ray and I only own that on digital. I do not own any of the others. So as far as I'm concerned, like the ending was not really, it was a complete full circle ending that didn't need anything else after it. You know, Jack gets... On I a agree. boat and yo ho 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 pirates of hoy. I don't know what he says, but he's looking at that damn compass and he's pointing it at the horizon and he just he's off. And I'm like, cool. Like, what a great ending. He was about to die. Everybody was about to die. They got saved. He's a really great pirate. We all know that now. And he's off doing his pirate life. And the world is a better place. It was like, I love, love. Love the action and the sword fighting in Pirates of the Caribbean. But then you get Hans Zimmer's score in there and a really, really great narrative uh, of a instead of doing pirates that are just like, I'm an angry pirate. You get this curse where they're basically zombies. So you get this whole pirate thing that didn't really work in the 90s. But then you spin it with a zombie and it's like. People are on board. I was on board because of the zombies. It's like you you now have this cool ghost ship in the Black Pearl that if you see it, nobody, nobody's going to live. And you introduce us to Jack Sparrow, who's amazing in that movie. He wasn't being fed his lines through a freaking mic in his ear. And I have gone back many, many, many times to watch that film. Once I saw the second movie, it kind of ruined it for me. Uh, what I liked about that story is that to me, it was a distinctly feminist story. I didn't really, like, I thought it was a lot about Kiara Knightley's character and her journey about claiming her space and being the woman who she wants to be and knows she is on the inside. And that's what I loved about it. But now I can't see the movie through the lens that it create like that original lens. And I got to say, I really think Psycho is significantly better than Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm shocked that that's on your list, but not Psycho. It is a favorites list. And Psycho, <laughs> I can really appreciate as an amazing movie, but I've gone back to Pirates of the Caribbean at least, at least 10 times. What's your next movie? Uh, my next one is a downer. 
of a movie, and it's Pi by Darren Aronofsky. Okay, why Pi? And I don't believe I've ever seen it. So don't spoil the ending. To be honest, it's been so long since I've seen it. I think I saw it uh, shortly after Requiem for a Dream came out when I discovered Darren Aronofsky. Um, And I haven't gone back, so I don't remember the ending. But I've just never really seen anything like it. I mean, it's it's black and white. It's tortured artist. It's just like this very cool insular story that I just think shows the brilliance of um, Darren Aronofsky. And I think that he is so great. And this movie, it was so cool. The fact that it launched his career shows how good it is because it's this like really inexpensive black and white movie. It's a really small story about the torture that we all kind of subject ourselves to in our brains when we're fighting for a passion. And I just, I I love it. We should watch it again because it's been a while since I've seen it. What's your next one? Uh, Let's go with The People versus Larry Flint and take this on a totally different ride. Uh, So The People versus Larry Flint stars Woody Harrelson, Courtney Love, and Edward Norton. And the film's from like the late 90s, and it's all about censorship. People kind of get turned off because it's really about, you know, the owner of Hustler magazine and how he came into the world, Larry Flint. Uh, And you may hate him. You may love him. You may hate his product. But the film ultimately is about censorship and telling the government you don't have a right to tell me what I can and cannot purchase because in the seventies and then the eighties, there was a lot of people who wanted to keep these kind of magazines out of the reach of anybody and did not want it, you know, displayed. Um, but to hell with you, like if I'm a customer and I want that, I'm going to go buy that and you shouldn't have a say in what I get to buy. Basically, that's the whole point of the film is this this guy who everybody hates and his lawyer, Edward Norton, just trying to be like, no, this is important. I know you may hate him, but we need to not have this censorship of our products. I, I think I remember seeing that movie as a kid, I feel like, but I, I don't remember it at all. Like- it's, it's mostly kind of a trial film. There are different court times. It's very funny at points. The finale with Edward Norton up there against the Supreme Court, and it's just him, Larry Flint isn't there, is actually some like really moving uh, speech giving about censorship. And I always remembered that I, I never wanted censorship in high school. And there were so many things that we were censored because we were a Catholic school and you couldn't say that. You couldn't write that. You couldn't do that. And I always had a problem with that because all of us would go home and watch whatever the hell we wanted to watch and speak the way we want to speak. And why is that wrong? There is no wrong there. And I remember writing a story. It was a sex story as like a uh, an entry for... Um, writer's craft, OAC writer's craft. 
and my teacher loved it, but gave me a lower grade because it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> and I, I don't know. That always stuck with me. And this movie stuck with me as, as a part of that. And yeah, I just have always had this part of me that is like no censorship. I don't like censorship. Get the hell out of here. It's so funny because we've also had conversations, though, where you are very adamant about, like, watching your language around children and all that kind of stuff, which is also censorship. Yeah, I Um, mean, I still believe in the ratings system, but an 18-year-old kid wants to go buy a Hustler magazine or an 18-year-old guy wants to go to an R-rated movie, don't tell me that the, the, the content is not appropriate for him to watch. Because he's choosing to do that as an adult. That's how I feel. South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut is all about that. But it's also about like these children going to see the movie. And they're like, well, fuck you. It's not meant for them. It's meant for these people. There is an R rating for these people. Get out of here. That's like the whole point of the movie. I think kids can handle a lot more than what we say. Of course. Yeah. I Look, my aunt... Let my, I think it was, they were nine years old, sit down and watch all of True, what's the vampire show? True, True Blood. True Blood. Let them watch all of that. And when I talked to her about it, she was like, yeah, well, they can handle what they can handle and they want to watch this. And that, look, you're the parent. You're, I'm not the parent. You can do whatever you want. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be letting fair. my nine-year-old watch that kind of stuff, but you can do whatever you want. And I'm not fighting that. My next one is Pulp Fiction, a Tarantino classic. Oh, my God. I forgot all about Pulp Fiction. Okay. Tell me about it, and then I'm going to put it on my list somewhere. Yeah. Well, actually, no, you shouldn't. You can, you can choose it. You can choose I, from I just feel really bad that I didn't put it on my list. Well, it's Pulp Fiction. So- How did I fucking miss that? It happens. I've done that. I, there have been times where you've mentioned a movie and I was like, shit, how it's did I forget right this movie? I'm looking at it right now. It's right there. My God. Man, I mean, this movie is so good. Ugh, this movie awesome. holds up in all the ways that a movie should. Such strong acting. I rarely like movies with those multiple t- storylines that intersect, but this movie does it in a way that isn't cliche and de- like derivative and like uh, forced. It just fits. The storyline just fits and they all intersect in different places. And I just, I, I, so brilliant. It's, it is so brilliant. I also saw this movie literally as like probably like a very young child, definitely so young that I didn't even know that the rape scene even existed. Like with the guy with the ball gag in his mouth, I had no idea. I didn't know what was happening. Which is why I think it's really not that big of a deal um, for, like, kids to see stuff is because, like, when you're really that young, you just don't know. Like, Yeah, like, no when I saw Lawrence of Arabia for the first time, I definitely w- thought to myself, like, if I had seen this at 10, I would not ha- I would have missed that entirely. Yeah, you just kind of, like, d- don't understand and miss the parts that y- you shouldn't get, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, ex- exactly. hopefully... Your life experience means that you won't understand what's happening. But, like, 
I don't know. This movie is so good. I've seen it so many times. It's well shot. It's well acted. It's brilliantly written. The music is fantastic. Um, I'm kind of hoping that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming up is going to be in that style because I miss that style of Tarantino movie. Yeah, no, Pulp Fiction is amazing. Great cast. Uh, the One of the first times we really saw that out of narrative um way to tell a story which i guess christopher nolan does now all the time is just like yeah there's no timeline it's just all but i think it owes so much credit to pulp fiction and the way that the linear storytelling is not there you know vincent vega it dies in the middle of the movie but then we see him in the booth at the end i i i freaking love it what's next from you all right so on my list i've got a comedy here i'd like to talk about it is a tradition and a staple now in my household and that is planes trains and automobiles and we watch it every thanksgiving starring steve martin and john candy and we just love this movie it's as iconic to thanksgiving for us as the great outdoors is to camping and that is like no lie most of the time, Becky is just cooking in the kitchen, and I am like, I have the movie going, and she's still spouting off every line. So this is a very, it's a favorite because of the emotional connection I have to this movie, but it's also a very funny film. I really need to see this movie. I've not oh. seen it, and it's definitely on my list of things I want to watch, and... Just the cast alone gets me really excited. In my opinion, it has the best use of the F word in any movie ever in the history of the world. They use the F word better and more deservedly than anything else. Why? What, what makes it the best? I won't ruin it because it's amazing, but he uses the F bomb like he drops the F bomb like. 10 times and it's great. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> Steve Martin is so good. He's awesome. John Candy. I always love John Candy. We watched summer rental a couple nights ago. He's as lovable as ever. There's nothing bad. I can say about planes, trains and automobiles, except maybe that the director is John Hughes and the director is John Hughes. Yes. I know yeah. you don't like John Hughes for his teen stuff, but this is like his home alone type stuff oh he also did home alone well he wrote home alone and mm. he didn't direct it but this is more in vain with that i liked ferris bueller's day off yep i remember liking uncle buck as a kid but i've not seen it so i don't like in a way that i remember the movie at all and i think that's all i've ever seen that he's directed other than I have seen Breakfast Club and 16 Candles, but they're two horrible movies that should never be remembered. <laughs> what is your next one? Uh, next up, I have one that I don't know if it's the best movie or anything, but I really like it. Uh, and it's Police Academy 3, which I spent most of my childhood watching every weekend. Is that back in training? Yeah. Okay. All right. Is that the one that introduces you to... Like that criminal who comes in and is like, it's Bobcat Goldwith, and he's got that high squeaky voice. Is that the one that introduces him? Um, it's it, 
they kind of deal with corruption in the police force. So they're the teachers. Right. And then they have new students that they're like helping and it is back in training, but like the bad guy is corruption. I don't remember about a squeaky voice or no squeaky voice, but like the bad guys are the other, it's the, it's another police Academy that they're competing with. And it turns out that the other police Academy is all corrupt. Oh, wow. Okay. That's uh yeah, that's a fun premise. I did watch one through five a couple years ago, maybe last year, like just straight binged them. So they kind of meld together a little bit for me. Do you have like a favorite? I always go back to the first one. The first one for me is, is my favorite. And then I think the one where they go to Miami, I don't know why. But the one where they go to Miami, he has uh, Hightower wrestles a alligator at some point. For some reason, that always stuck out to me. And the poster art for that sticks out for me. Nice. Okay. I to be honest, I may have only ever seen Police Academy three. <laughs> what? Yeah. You're revealing way too much to our audience. <laughs> Well, I, I knew Police Academy in some form was going to be on your list. Actually, at the beginning when I was yelling, no, it's not on mine. No, it's not on mine. I thought Police Academy was going to be your first one you talked about. No, because that's not a classic. What? Police Academy is a classic? No way. You ask if you were to grab like, let's say a high school student right now and you said, do you know the movie Psycho and Alfred Hitchcock? They would say, yup. But if you went, do you know the movie Police Academy and Steve Gutenberg? They would be like, who? All do right. you mean that super religious dude? I am asking my nephew this when I see him next time. I'm also telling him that he cheated. Owen, if you're listening, you cheated in, uh, in chess. You didn't actually get that win. <laughs> I know you're 16. <laughs> I don't care. You didn't get the win. <laughs> but yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask next time if he's ever seen Police Academy. Uh, next up, I got Payback. I don't even, I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't okay. think I've ever heard Okay, so Payback is a film starring Mel Gibson from around that 98, Boo. 99 era. Okay. And it's a revenge film. It's also got like, it's serious action, but it's also like very crime heavy. It's shot with a Cro-Magnum lens. Um, and it, it looks dirtier than like your typical late nineties film that looks all bright and happy. But here's the premise. His partner stole 70 grand from him, uh, to get back into the good graces of this organized crime syndicate. They left him for dead. His wife and his partner left him for dead, took all the money instead of half of it which is $70,000 each. And he lives and he's now back to collect. And every single crime boss is like, I'm sorry, you're doing this for $70,000? All of this? You're taking us all on for that much money? Are you crazy? He's like, yeah. And they're like, no, we understand $140,000. And he's like, no, it's 70. It's just 70. And it's just very funny at times, but it's also... It's just really gritty, good crime flick. Uh, and I, I've watched that movie at least 20 times in my life since then. And I think it's an underrated gem. I love Lucy Liu. I see she's in it. 
She's a rock star. But I just don't think, first of all, I have never liked Mel Gibson. I'm curious if The Patriot is going to be in in your your final five. Definitely not. But I am related to that that actual person. Oh, really? Yeah, but like my family tree goes back to the character that Mel Gibson is playing in real life. Uh, like our our family tree goes back that far. That's apparently. so cool. Yeah, but so you're no, like American it is not on this list because the Patriot is basically Braveheart, but not as good. Yeah, it is. It is like that. But Blake likes it. And frankly, I hate everything that Mel Gibson is in. I haven't seen him in a movie that I liked. I think I just, Ever? it's like him. You've huh? never seen a Mel Gibson movie you like. I Yeah, I just but don't like him. what about Braveheart? I hate Braveheart. You hate Braveheart? Why do it's you hate war- Braveheart? It's a war movie. Oh, but it's so good. And it's also Mel Gibson. Oh, my God. And his stupid face. <laughs> like, what he about, just has this. What about. He's like such like a typical man. Huh? What about Apocalypto? You didn't like never that because he directed it. it? I've never seen it. Any of the lethal weapons? Never Signs. seen them. Signs. Uh, you mean the. The M. Night Shyamalan movie? Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, God. No, it's not. It's great. What about Hacksaw Ridge? We have talked about how much I hated that movie. Oh, my God. This is like blowing my mind. I hate all war movies. It's got such an interesting premise. It's so different than other war movies. You still have to. The only war movie I've ever liked is Full Metal Jacket. And there's barely war. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair, I mean, that, that's all good. Like, uh, people can like who they like. My parents said they didn't like Mission Impossible Fallout because they couldn't get past Tom Cruise being the lead, which I th- thought was crazy, but they don't like that movie because of that. Yeah, I just can't. I also just can't get past Mel Gibson. He's like, I don't know. It, it, it's impossible to separate his, his personal horrible rants from himself and even before everyone knew that that was how he is on the inside he looks like he thinks that way on the outside i mean he works with people who don't think that way and some of the movies he stars in are great and i think i don't know it it, that comes down to separating the artist from the art and but you can't separate how sound like you can't without prosthetics really separate that level of exterior. He's like, he just does. He just looks like white privilege. (laughs) And if you can like, like he's tall, he's large. He looks like an, what people would associate as an alpha male. He talks that way. He carries himself that way. He moves that way. I don't know. Like, I mean, he's definitely an alpha male in payback. And that's one of the appeals is that he carries the movie so well. But a film like Maverick, he's certainly not an alpha male. And he's, I love that movie. It's a great, great Western comedy. And it's hilarious. And it's hilarious because, well, I mean, it's hilarious because of Jodie Foster and Maverick and Mel Gibson. And it's Richard Donner. I don't know. I don't know. I just love so many movies that 
you know, that came out much later after I'd already seen these movies. And I was like, well, that's a stupid thing to do. But people do stupid things. Life is long and there's stupid public idiot things that people do. Hide your true colors, people. Hide the shit. Is it my turn? last one? Is it my turn? All right. My last one is Perks of Being a Wallflower, a movie set in Pittsburgh, a place that I live. Oh, is it actually set there? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Have you like seen some of the the sights and stuff from the movie there? Like that tunnel that they go Yeah. In? I have driven through that tunnel. Oh, that's When I saw cool. the tunnel, I was like, "Oh my god, the movie is actually like a love story to Pittsburgh." And I thought that was really cool. And it it just touches my heart in a lot of ways. Like it mm. makes me feel sad a little bit, but it of also course, makes me feel Of course, it's a very sad happy. emotional film. I don't it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's but life is kind of bittersweet. And and life is I think maybe just about like holding on to the sweetness that surrounds all the bitterness that we all have to deal with. And I don't know there's the movie's just so honest and like so heartfelt that I just I love it so much. I love the perks of being the wallflower as well it's fantastic and i think going back to something else we said i think that's a movie if you watched as a kid you wouldn't understand the ending yeah that's true like that would go right over your head i think a lot of people watched it as kids i think that's like a movie that a lot of people watch as kids and get one thing from it and then they'll revisit it later because of nostalgia and they'll get a whole different ending from it i think you're right that movie has definitely layers it is it's a very smart film as well. There's a lot of different things happening in it. Yeah, totally. I think it's one of the most like brilliant movies of the of the tens. Yeah, I, I think that movie is a great choice. I think it might even be contender for your favorite P movie. It's definitely a contender. For I'd sure. say there's two. There's there's two in my finalists. Okay, my last one is not going to be my favorite of all these movies. I I have a feeling I know which one will be my favorite. But I'm going with Pitch Perfect, the original Pitch Perfect, obviously, because the other two are garbage face. But Pitch Perfect is one of those movies that just makes me feel good. It is a feel-good movie. It totally is. You're right. The music, uh, it's something that would have been a lot of fun to create those mixes throughout so I, I think the music team had a blast with that you worked with these very talented women um which are all so funny rebel wilson doesn't even have much of a career without pitch perfect i mean i don't know she just has a movie that's coming out this summer with um anna hathaway oh see and this is what i mean that movie's already come and gone and you didn't even know it but it doesn't really matter. She has a really booming career. She's making tons of movies. She but just what had... I'm saying is that she can make all these movies, but I'm not saying any of these movies are anywhere close to as good as Pitch Perfect. It's what I'm saying by her career standards. Like, you have told me to stay away from Isn't It Romantic with a 10-inch stick. Yeah, it's a horrible movie. Horrible movie. Bad movie. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. That uh, that movie that she did about the ladies, the single women or whatever a couple of years ago, 
was at the very bottom of my like this is a movie that anyone wants. Yeah, to that was a really bad movie. How to be single? Look, she's not necessarily making the best movies around town, but she's like totally has a career that is doing quite well. I would say. I that's fine. I'm just saying that the things that they're sticking her in suck, and she'll never have that. Like people will continue to go to her for her autograph because of Pitch Perfect. And we're getting a little sidetracked, but Pitch Perfect, the first film is delightful. It's not the best movie by all means, but it is definitely one of my favorites. When I first saw that film, it instantly made it into my top five of that year. And I thought this is a great vehicle for all these incredibly talented women, incredibly funny women. And I want to see more. And then, of course, Pitch Perfect 2 came out and I hated every second of it. And I do, however, still listen to the music from these movies because I think the acapella thing is kind of great. I mean, Pitch Perfect was okay, I think. It was fun. All right. So there are our top five. What is going to be your number one on your list, Ivana? I'm going to you first this time. Oof. So... I'm torn between Perks of Being a Wallflower and Pulp Fiction. Um, I don't really, like, they're such, they're such different movies, and I like them for such different reasons. It's hard. I, I think I'm going to have to go with Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction is a masterpiece. And even though it didn't give me the feels the way that Perks of Being a Wallflower did, I, I, it's, it's a masterpiece. I agree. It's incredible. I'm going with planes, trains, and automobiles. In my right, that is also a masterpiece. (laughs) Nice. Okay. So Jay, we don't normally talk sports, but today we're going to talk talk sports. sports. I don't know about you. For the parade tomorrow. Oh, you're so lucky that you get to be in Toronto and see this parade. When's the parade? Is it in the after work hours or is it during work time? Uh, It is at 930 in the morning, but I think City TV is going to actually be airing it. So I may have to go down there anyways. Oh, that I mean, I just want to say for anyone who doesn't know what Jay and I are talking about. I've caught Raptors fever. Have you caught Raptors fever? I totally did, but I fell asleep during the fourth quarter. Of the last No, game. you missed the like the, <laughs> the win. I know. Becky was telling me, like, oh my God, I can't believe you missed it. It was so exciting and you were sleeping. You were there, you were snoring. What is wrong with you? I couldn't wake you up. <laughs> and I was like, I did? When did we win? And it was like, oh, a good like half hour ago. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so so for anyone who has been under a rock. Um, the Toronto Raptors have won their very first NBA finals and they are officially like they've brought back the legacy of being like the best basketball team to Canada, which is the place that invented basketball for the world. That is true. We did do that. So suck it, everybody. Yeah, exactly. It It is so, too bad that you can't be in Toronto for all the shenanigans because I will say this, the streets of Toronto, when the win happened, there was like a million people in the streets. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. We were watching 
all of it on Instagram. It was so much fun. And I remember I was there when we won um, a gold medal at an Olympics. And like we would just like go out into the street just screaming and partying and finding strangers and jumping up and down and like like yelling happily with them. And I can't I, – I feel like it would almost be bigger with the Raptors winning – because it's not something that like Canada is known for, and so that somehow makes it more special. It was definitely, definitely huge. I know. I definitely, I would have gone to Jurassic Park for sure to watch the festivities. Oh, for sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we definitely did not do that. We were we watched every game at home, um, knowing full well, like, oh well, if we're in Jurassic Park, we're probably never going to get a cab, and we'll be tired and. But if we had taken the day off or something, the next day we would have gone for sure. It always astounds me how much sleep you need. <laughs> I need so much sleep, man. It happens. Series survival. Dun, dun, dun. So moving along into another week of series survival, we're going to do the same thing we did last time, which is give you an update on three of the predictions we've already made. But we're also going to give you new predictions on three new summer shows. So far, you're killing me this time. Three to one, sucker. So let's just see what happens now. First up, we're going to talk about The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which, if you don't already know, has been renewed because of the fact that there have been essentially, there was a Christmas special and a second season, then... You know, you're out of touch. <laughs> and Ivana said it was going to be renewed. But so did you. So we but both so get I. a point. Sounds we like both a get wash. a point for this one. Yeah. That's right. That's like, now I'm up four to two. But now we're going to go with another, uh, with a CW show called The Legacies. And The Legacies was kind of a Hogwarts school for witchcraft, but you know, a little more adult and teenagery. Um, and it was also, yeah, it was a spinoff from another show. I forget which. I think two, two shows. The Originals and maybe also Vampire Diaries. Definitely The Originals. I think it was a spinoff of, I don't know about Vampire Diaries. I watched the series premiere to this show and I gave up pretty quick. I was not into it. But that doesn't mean that other people were not we're we're into it very much because this show got renewed it did but what did you predict jay just remind me it wasn't i said no people have enough supernatural stuff i'm pretty sure that was my exact words like nobody needs another supernatural type show and i said spinoffs do well and this one's gonna do well and guess what it did it's renewed and you got one wrong and i'm climbing my way slowly back to the series survival leaderboard like, you have a good chance right now because I screwed that one up. Well, I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting closer. So the last one this week to update you guys on is The Haunting of Hill House, another Netflix show. I said it was going to be renewed. You said? I said it was going to be renewed. It looked really good. And it was really good. And it was renewed. Of course, it was like a phenomenon. It was like the the chilling adventures of Sabrina and the haunting of Hill House were huge phenomenons on Netflix, and they both got second seasons. Um, have you seen it yet? No, no, no. I watched the first episode, got too creeped out to keep going. 
Oh my god, you're missing out. It I really like it scared. actually scared me. It actually like I was like legit when I was going to bed like to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I was like, Oh god, don't look at the shadows. <laughs> like, if it's scaring you of all people, what do you think it's doing to me? That's the whole point. That's what makes the show so good. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. I just don't need to jump in that water with you. <laughs> so our final score for this week is, Jay, you have a total of five points with five correct predictions. And I now have a total of four points. Getting closer. Okay. We're going to see what happens next week. This is when I get nervous. Like my commanding lead, you know, if. It filled me up with excitement, and now, I don't know. Now I'm nervous. Well, we're just going to have to wait till our next episode. But now, let's do some new predictions. Um, We're first with our summer show series. uh, We're first going to check out an ABC drama called Reef Break. Yeah, this is like, um, it actually is coming out this week on June 20th. And there's not a lot of articles or promotional stuff about this, not even on their own Twitter page. So Reef Break is about a thief or a bad guy who helps the police to do some stuff. And it looks like it's in Hawaii or some sort of tropical location. Yeah, it's about um, a, an alleged criminal. Um, and that alleged criminal is potentially going to help solve some crimes. And it seems like it's going to be um, one of those sort of lighthearted procedurals. And this show stars Poppy Montgomery. And for that reason alone, I say this is getting canceled. First of all, who is Poppy Montgomery? Great question. She is somebody who has had two other attempts at shows and both have been canceled. I mean, I also think this show is going to get canceled because there, uh, the summer show lineup this year seems to be entirely focused on like, like dumb 1970s style uh, game shows. Is that, am I crazy? Yes, it just seems no, like that is very true. And, and I think that this just isn't going to appeal to the boomer market, which apparently are the only people that continue to watch television. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. I think this show has no chance. It's going to get canceled. All right. Next up is ambitions on the own network. Yeah. Oprah's own network. That's right. And it looks like, um, I don't know, it sort of looks like a power struggle couple who are, you know, just trying to make it as a couple, but they're really, I don't know, kind of violent to each other. Um, And, you know, there's going to be some crime stuff in it, power stuff in it, power struggle stuff. Honestly, the trailer did not stay with me at all. Yeah, it seemed a little like... um too much i don't know powerful and conniving for it's just not my kind of show um however essence atkins is in it she's the one with sort of blondish hair in the trailer she's like the reporter or what they lead out you to be like she's the good guy of the show and i fucking love her i saw 
I really liked, maybe I'm the only one who really liked it, but um, the Marlon Wayans um, Netflix like comedy. Did you ever watch that where he has like a family and he's divorced, but he's still like really close to his wife and helps to raise his kids. It's called Marlon. Marlon, 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 Marlon. It was really good. Marlon, 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 That was the, he just sang that, his name over and over again. And that was the um, the the theme song. Anyway, I love that show. I thought he was really good. I thought he did. A, he was so charming and delightful. And she played his ex wife, and she was really charming and delightful. And I'm happy to see her on this show because I think this show is going to do really well, and I think it's going to get renewed. I mean, I like all what you said. That's very nice. Um, it's the own network. It's a specialty network. I don't know what their ratings are based on. They could be very big. They could be very small. I don't know, but I am also playing it safe and going renewed because I think knowing specialty ratings numbers, you don't need to have huge numbers in order for a show like this to come back. Last up, we have another CW show. They're doing a lot of fun stuff this summer. Uh, This one is a horror anthology series that actually it looks like started as um, a film that was in film festivals. And uh, it's called Two Sentence Horror Stories, and it's based off of the social media phenomenon, Two Sentence Horror Stories. Yeah. So to me, I, I we only have one promo to go off of. And to me, I, I'm wondering if they're like one story per break before commercial or if it's a whole half hour episode based on two sentences. I don't know. Um but it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it kind of looks like it's treading in a, a very horror-esque Twilight Zone territory. Maybe not like Twilight Zone exactly, but I feel like it has a lot to say. Um, the promo that we link to in our show notes, check it out. To me, there's a lot that it's saying about the world that we live in and saying about what we are afraid of. And I kind of like it. And I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that this is going to find an audience and it's going to be renewed. Uh, So I didn't get as much of that from the trailer. There is a little bit there. Um, I am going to say it's August. People are watching TV less. I'm going to say canceled. All right. Although it is the CW and they have a real hard time canceling shows. I am going to say canceled. It's good, because otherwise we've been on the same page. Well, I'm just saying. I'm not doing it because of that. I'm doing it because <laughs> I need to be strategic and win. Well, we'll see. We'll see when these uh, when we find out what's renewed and what's canceled. So let us know what you think of our predictions and what you think of these new summer shows. It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. Last time we discovered that for some reason, Ivana has never seen Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Like, it was this massive reveal on the last episode. I was a little bit heartbroken. So we clearly had to make that happen. It's true, but now I've seen it. Yeah, we'll get to your opinions. But first, for the one person who might be listening who hasn't ever watched this movie, T2 is a James Cameron flick that takes place in 1991 and continues the Terminator saga from the original. Another movie that I have not seen. 
Oh, Jesus. Uh, anyway, Terminator 2 is about the machines from Skynet taking over in our future. That future being August 20th, 1997. And in a distant war, General John Connor sends an Arnold Schwarzenegger reprogrammed machine back in time to 1991 to protect his younger self. But the machines have sent a totally cool Terminator Back in time as well, this one is sent to kill John. That machine is a T-1000, and he is totally more upgraded than Arnold. Solid premise. Right. So back in 1991, John is a foster delinquent, and the Terminators basically find him at an arcade, and he starts to run from them both until the Terminator saves him from the T-1000. Arnold shows John that he's loyal to him, and John convinces him that they have to break his mother out of an insane asylum because that would definitely be the T-1000's next target to lure him out. The Terminator and John break her out, and Sarah is quite pissed off, so she makes the Terminator tell her who starts the war so she can kill that SOB. Sarah takes off on her own to hunt Miles Dyson down, a programmer who has been working with the original pieces salvaged from the last time a Terminator was back in time and Which on the planet. you wouldn't know about, but let's face it, you can probably fill in the gaps. They make a good job of filling you in. Anyway... After stopping Sarah from killing Dyson, they blow up Skynet without killing any cops and run away from the T-1000 to a steel factory where they blow the damn thing up with liquid nitrogen. But that doesn't work, so the T-1000 totally beats down Arnold with a metal pipe thing to the point where he powers off, but then whammy, magic, he turns back on and grabs a grenade launcher. Arnie shoots the baddie with a grenade launcher, and that T-1000 falls into the molten steel, never to be heard from again. But knowing the ultimate goal is to stop Skynet, the Terminator needs to lower himself into the steel so his chip is gone from his existence, too. Thus saving the world, but not for too long, because, you know, Terminator 3. Ivana, first-time viewer... I want all of your notes. Like, I really need to know what you thought of this movie. It's a great movie. It is a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. I absolutely want to see the original. Um, but I just I just loved this movie. I, the effects were really cool. They stood up. I really enjoyed the interplay between... Um, you know, CGI and practical effects. Like, I think that was really nice. And I think that more people should continue doing that because that always looks the best. Always looks the best. And honestly, there are so many giant action pieces in this film. I thought you would be bored by all the action. No, because there's also a really great story in this and it really is i you know what i haven't watched terminator 2 for i gonna say about four years and i forget how great this story really is that's the thing like to me this was such a cool movie in in so many different ways um and i really think that edward furlong the 13 year old edward Thur furlong like just carried this movie on his back like to me he stole the show um, he was just such a nice foil to Arnold's character. 
And Arnold could just be himself, this machine. And the two of them together just created this delightful, I don't know, like interplay and story. And and he was such a good, like almost father figure. I, I loved it. I, honest to God, there's a couple things in this viewing that blew me away. And it was mostly Sarah Connor. Like, if you, and you being the audience as a member of our listening community, because Ivana has not seen the original Terminator. If you know where Sarah Connor starts from, and then you get to see her in this, I kept hearkening back to that chick who had no idea how to protect herself was totally the opposite of the Sarah Connor you get in T2. In T2, she is the most badass woman in the world. And there's a moment when she decides not to kill Dyson and then they break in, you know, and they and they and and John hugs her that I was like, "Oh my god. This is amazing because we remember how she was in the first film and she realizes it in that moment as well that she can't do it. And it is, it's really good. But I mean, he dies in the end anyway. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we don't see that coming, but yeah. I mean, the police, not one casualty, but they definitely took out Dyson. They shot him like five times. Yeah. I don't know. Like I had a lot of, that was probably the one part of the movie that I was like kind of conflicted about because I really didn't want him to die. And they made a big moment about saving him and then he died. It was a cool choice. But but then he got to sacrifice himself too. Yes, that is correct. And I think that's the part that I guess he had to sacrifice himself because it was his brain that was going to like create how much guilt he would have had listening to that terminator but there's so many cool things like the 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 practical effects of the hand after he rips off his skin yeah it's so good it's so cool and i don't think that they would make that today i think they would just be cgi and look it might look great but it might not look that great I think there's an element, especially of a, like a skeleton look, like when you watch, especially Spider-Man movies are are great for this because so much of it is CGI and it just doesn't look like a human can move that way ever. It always looks like, like you get that sense inside of you. That's like, Oh, this is not real. This is fake. Humans cannot move like this. And, and it's the same, like if metal cannot move a certain way, you get that some spidey sense inside of you pun intended like is like <laughs> saying nope not real not real can't trust this but there are parts of this movie that you absolutely trust entirely yeah because they're based in practical effects i think that that's always really interesting to watch and i think arnold schwarzenegger is absolutely this is his best film i think I think his best overall film because he doesn't have to do anything except act like a machine. So you believe everything that he does. Everything. Everything. And Asta La Vista, that he only said it once. He only said it once. I was like, what? The thing that he's like, 
super known for. He only says it once in the movie. I had no idea. I thought that the Terminator was all about that kind of stuff. But isn't it fun to find out that Edward Furlong's the one who put that in his brain and then he gets to say like like it's (laughs) it makes no sense in action movies. It's just fun when one liners happen. But this is a machine who is being programmed with the one liner. So you get a great iconic line, but really you get the line because somebody was told him he had to say it. Well, I think that's what makes it work. Edward Furlong is so good. Like he really like lights up every scene with Arnie and they they just play off each other so nicely and there's that innocence and I really like that you know, throughout the story, he grows into become getting the confidence and becoming a leader so that you kind of see this is how a leader is created later kind of thing, like how he Absolutely. can be this leader of the uprising. Uh, it's so cool. He's so cool. So, okay, I have a question for you because sure. obviously when this movie was made, I mean, I know there's a T3 and a T4. Um, and I also know that James Cameron kind of doesn't, acknowledge their existence no he he did number one and he did number two and that's where he stopped and he's doing a number three right now well he did that gen he was involved in genesis i don't know what his next move is as far as being involved past producer maybe it was just producer but from what i've heard he's saying that the new one that's gonna be coming out as far as he's concerned, that's T3. Okay. Oh, that's right. There is a new Terminator movie coming out. Terminator there is a new one. I don't know if he directed it. You're right. He might All just right. be... Pre- Dark Fate comes out. Um, This is the sixth movie in total, but you're saying that Cameron says this is the appropriate third. Yeah. He's saying this is number three. Uh, it looks like he's not the director, but he is agreeing that this is part of the canon. So he's saying... All the other sequels don't exist. This one that's coming out now is the true sequel. Um, But regardless, when T2 came out, it has a kind of ambiguous ending. And at that point, it was not known that there would be a third one. What do you take it to mean in the timeline and that monologue that Sarah Connor kind of has at the very end? Oh, man. I mean, it's really hard because I've seen Rise of the Machines. So it's hard to get that out of my head, knowing that even though all this has happened, it still happens. Skynet still happens. So I mean, that was what I took away. I haven't seen literally any other Terminator movie ever. Right. And so it's tricky, tricky for me to. I mean, I haven't seen Genesis, but I heard it was so bad. I haven't seen a Terminator movie after Salvation. I've only seen two, and I got the sense that... It is by far the best out of all of them. I will say that, Ivana. This is... The best one. The best one. Like, the Terminator is excellent for its retro look and feel and bringing Arnold Schwarzenegger in as the Terminator, who is the bad guy. That scene where Sarah runs into him and is terrified of him, it's because in the original, he's the bad guy. I figured as much. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Like she, she fought for her life against the exact thing that looked like that. Um, so that's crazy. But the, the best one, the best effects, 
the best story, the best everything is definitely implanted in Terminator 2. So I don't know if this is like controversial or not, but I walked away from the movie thinking for sure, like the way that the timelines work, everything is kind of inevitable. Right. I mean, that's why they have that no fate thing in place, right? Because it's not fate. You can change your future. But as it turns out, no, you can't. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's at, at the very end of this movie, I got the sense that they felt hopeful, but ultimately the same outcome is going to happen. That's right. Yeah. And this was my first, I will say this, I, it was 1991, so I was 10. This was the first rated R movie I ever saw. Oh, it's rated R? Oh, yeah. Well, lots of F-bombs and killing and gross things where you're ripping skin off of your hand and all that uh yeah so it's rated r and it was the first one i begged my parents to show it to me because i was reading all about it in my movie magazines when i was a kid so yeah that's how far back this obsession goes (laughs) (laughs) i was like reading about like oh my god look at these cool metal skeleton things i want to see this movie and I loved it when I saw it as a kid. There's so much I didn't understand. It was way over my head, but so much fun. As well. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, damn, man. Like, I loved it. I'm so glad you liked it. I loved it. I know that we've had some times where we're watching these older movies, and I'm just like, what is this? This movie is not that. It is legitimately awesome. It stands the test of time. Watching it now for the first time does not degrade it. It's not like Indiana Jones that the guy is a fucking douchebag. Oh, for God's sake. But, the, but it's thrilling. This movie is thrilling. And like yeah. all those chase scenes on the highway are still awesome. They are. This movie's great. This is a fantastic movie. I'm so happy you liked it. What are we watching next week? I think we should watch the Netflix show Bonding which is only 15-minute episodes, which I think oh, you're going to love. that sounds like a nice like friendship kind of show. I, we should is. watch that. It is. It's a really good friendship kind of show. I mean, I know nothing of the show, but it sounds very, very friendshipy. People getting together, probably playing some wholesome board games. Sure. Let's go with that. Or it's all about sex, and you're going to make me watch a bonded show. It, it's about a dom. And her friend. It's, a, it's about a dong? A dom. Like a dominatrix. A dom. Okay, so it is about bondage. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll well not about bondage. It's things. about a dominatrix. All right. Well, I'm going to learn some things. And I bet they're good friends. And they bond as well. There's a lot of bonding. It's a great show. I watched right. the whole thing in a night. So we're going to watch the first two episodes. Yeah, because they're only 15 minutes. Okie doke. No problemo there. We will watch Netflix's Bonding on our next one. So if you want to watch with us, Ivana's saying it's it's very wholesome and pure, maybe. And, mm. <laughs> and <laughs> it is uh, only 15 minutes. So I have an hour show. We can watch pretty quick. But maybe I shouldn't watch it on my subway commute. Uh, yeah, it might be a little bit <laughs> maybe awkward. Okay. Yeah, it is a little bit awkward. <laughs> 
And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to support the show, you can hop onto your podcast service and subscribe. And if you're feeling super generous, give us a rating and a review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out our show notes for more info about our music, our talented voice actors and sound. Jay and I love to hear from you. So we built this website, morethanmovies.net. And in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at morethemovies.net. Or check out our Facebook page slash morethemoviespodcast. Or catch either one of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Savannah. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back next time with an all new commercial free episode. And until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more. <laughs>